welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Ah, the mic is too far away. <laughs> you could not have looked more nebbishy just then. It's like, oh no, the mic is so far away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, and thank you for listening. David, did I say that already? No. Okay. How you doing? I'm good, um, but it's late um, because as listeners who listen to both versions of the show might know we did a two hour plus movie journal yeah and i don't know when like it's gonna be a long time before we get to do another movie journal it might be three hours next time probably not because i will have spent 10 days at disney world and not i will have not seen any movies i will be seeing this is a time of year when i see lots and lots of movies so i'll have a lot to talk about (coughs) it'll be fun um let's get to let's get to down to business though okay uh, first things first. Um, no, first things first. Is this. Oh, indeed. Okay, go ahead. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members... Uh, sorry. I uh, There is a typo here. I apologize. That brings its <laughs> members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Everyday Mubi's, Mubi's curators... Everyday... I'm so sorry, guys. Everyday... Movies curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There are a lot of great movies available right now, among them Stanley Donen's Charade, starring Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant. Charade is known as... I read this on the, on the website, and it's interesting, because for a long time I thought... I mean... Not for a number of years, but for a long time, I could have sworn Charade was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. So when they said that, when it was listed as Charade is no, is known as the best Hitchcock film that Hitchcock never made, uh-huh. um, it just struck me as interesting because like, oh, okay, so apparently I'm not crazy uh, when I think of that. But anyway, uh, so there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension that includes you listening right now. It you better. Can, you can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Okay. That's, yeah, that's that's it aside from, you know, the other one. Um, the, the other. Tweaked. The tweaked. Yeah. <laughs> we're a little punchy, everybody. We did record for over two hours and we're not, before we even started this. Yeah. Um, so. But. I, I feel like I want to get like this business out of the way because well we have we you know what because we, we have something serious to talk about and we also have gifts to open yeah which so I don't do, know which do you guys want the do. good good news or the bad news first let's do the bad news first okay so I I just you know I really wanted to I this is a bummer it is a bummer it is it is a very sad tragic thing but that's actually not what I wanted to talk about. Um, I wanted to to use that to extrapolate larger things. So um, I'm probably not going to get this pronunciation right, but uh, the magazine Charlie Hebdo. I have no idea if that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, at this I think point, at this point, people know what you're talking. Yeah. Um, it is the the French uh, uh, sort of humor magazine that uh, was recently the the site of a, a mass killing mm-hmm. um, in which uh, some radical. Uh, Extremist uh, Muslims went in and uh, shot a number of people, uh, including the editor and a number of their uh, staffers and that that sort of thing. And so um, so there's been a pretty big debate going on that you wouldn't think there'd be a debate happening, but Mm -hmm. there actually has been. There have been a number of people saying, 
And here's the thing, uh, based on what I have read about the magazine, cause I didn't know much about it. Um, you know, it, it often in the type of humor that it, it used was tended to be, you know, dealing in stereotypes and that sort of thing. And that's, you know, that's fine. But, uh, but there are people that say like the, the magazine had got what was your, coming to it. Your neighbor is spying on us. <laughs> Maybe close the, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hey, you could keep that one open. No way. See, I don't trust my neighbors. This is we got a rear window situation happening right now. And I'm I just I'm sorry, I know we're talking about something serious, but I looked over and there's like this I think it's like a teenage girl. Oh, okay. Clearly like hiding behind the wall and like kept <laughs> peeking out at us. Well, th- that's the thing, is uh this this house is usually pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm sure our boisterous voice, my boisterous voice, oh, boisterous right, voice right, coming right, up. Right. You're like, what, what the hell is going on? Okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, so back to uh, serious matters. So uh, there have been people that have that have been saying like, oh, the magazine, not that they got what was coming to them, although some people have said that and those people are horrible, but uh, the idea that like, well, hey, you know, it's, it's understandable, you know, when you play with fire and all that sort of thing. I think that's uh, a terrible way of thinking. Uh, no one should ever die for words obviously um yeah i guess i I think i I live in a bit of a bubble because i hadn't heard that sort of thing oh my yes Uh, i guess you kind of have to go looking for it because i was curious um and uh so um but one thing that i want the thing that i wanted to mention uh david you and i are uh not as much as we used to be because i haven't been to a stand-up show in forever but uh, you and i uh, consider ourselves uh, sort of comedy geeks on, yeah, sure. uh, as well as uh, movie nerds. And um, comedy has always been a super important thing for me as, as well as you. We have talked in the past about how comedy is not v- taken very seriously as an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is viewed as, you know, if a movie's going to win Best Picture, it probably is not a comedy. It might have some laughs in it, but it's not going to be, it's not viewed as a comedy. It doesn't happen very often. Um, comedy performances are seen as easier than dramatic performances. Um, and you and I are often bothered by that. And so what I wanted to really say is that when you look at what happened, uh, at Charlie Hebdo, and when you look at, for example, what happened with, uh, Sony and the interview, um, you actually see just how powerful comedy can be. And how I'm not I'm being a little bit facetious when I say this, how dangerous people consider it to be. You can write it at an editorial uh, talking about how bad a country is or how bad, a you know, uh, it's like anti-terrorism or whatever it is. You can write an editorial. You can speak very clearly and people will be they'll be bothered by you, but they might not. You know, I think I think it'll probably end there. You start making fun of somebody. When you start toying with the idea that, oh, this doesn't deserve to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. that's when people get really touchy. And by touchy, I guess I mean homicidal. Right. Um, because – and that's the thing is um, <clears throat> that is that is the, what comedy can do. That's why people like George Carlin – and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I'm, I'm politically conservative. I'm a Christian. Like, I people like me, I we are often – poked fun at um but so so i get it and i think that's important it's important a to be able to take a joke and recognize you know the seeming absurdity and the things that you that you think and it's important to have a sense of humor about it but also 
embrace it. Embrace that, like, when people are using comedy to try to do something, and frankly, even when they're just using comedy to not try to do something, just comedy is an important thing. And hopefully the events of the last, I'm going to say, month and a half, as, as you know, people got killed because they wanted to be funny about something. Mm-hmm. And then people were threatened because they wanted to be funny about something. And it's, it is very interesting. And there's something that uh, I read a number of political websites. And there's something that people have said about, you know, uh, certain politicians and stuff that like, like they, they, if you, if you talk about how much you hate them, then they can actually play the martyr card. If you make fun of them mm-hmm. and then suddenly they can't play that card. They, they probably still can, but it won't be taken as seriously. Um, if you hold somebody up for ridicule, um, it really takes the air out of them. It it, ro- it robs them of power, I think, which is one of the reasons why, of course, The Great Dictator is such a great movie. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so that's that's kind of what I wanted to say. Is and I actually tweeted this when the whole interview thing was happening, which is if nothing else, this should tell this should remind us just how powerful comedy is. And then the tra- as as tragic and horrible as the as the Charlie Hebdo thing is, um, that should remind us even more that. You know, there are plenty of people saying that, like, you know, that, that there should be calls for restraint because this is the kind of thing that that can happen. It's like, no, no, the, no, no restraint. Like, I'm not saying be openly hateful and maybe throw a joke in so that you can say you're being funny. But like, be funny, make fun of everything, especially if it everything is funny. You know, uh-huh. uh, I've always I've always felt that way that there's yeah. nothing that's off limits. Absolutely. And and at this point, I will go ahead and say, uh, seek out the movie. I don't know how you can find it, but it's making the rounds at film festivals. Seek out the documentary. That's not funny. Directed by Mike Celestino. Um, uh, he was on this show. I've seen the final film and it's it's very, very good. And so um, I guess that's kind of uh, all I wanted to say. And you know, what's interesting. I will say this. This is a slight tangent. Um, I'm not a big fan of MSNBC for a number of reasons. One of them is uh, I saw in the in the <clears throat> in the uh, heat of the night. That's the one I, I first saw in the heat of the night. That, <laughs> but um, in the in the aftermath of this uh, horrible tragedy, I saw uh, an, a discussion happening on MSNBC in which uh, somebody was saying, "I don't know. I think people so desire to make sense of things that they will come up with." analogies that maybe we can understand so that, oh, you know, we can make sense out of things. Okay. So somebody said that when Jerry Falwell sued Hustler magazine, and I don't remember what Hustler did, but I think it actually sort of, um, I think it was making, it was making fun of him in a very specific way. Uh, and he sued them for like a defamation of character kind of thing, which though he lost the lawsuit, it's still, a de- I understand why someone would sue because like, well, that's mm-hmm. not me. And they're saying that's who I am. So I understand that. Um, and this person was saying like, you know, what they did is really not that unlike what Jerry, you know, Jerry Falwell suing Hustler. And, uh, yeah, that's horseshit because, yeah. And it's just like, and that, and you know, you will find people that, that are, are often willing to say like, no, 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 we have our extremists too. And and it's true. And I'm not a big fan of Jerry Falwell, but what's interesting is that, uh, did you know that Larry Flint and Jerry Falwell became friends? After that, I didn't know that, but yeah. that's to which me, to that, me that, is there's a movie there called Larry and Jerry. Obviously, <laughs> that would be good. But to me, that's immaterial. I don't know. Yeah, that is a tangent. I don't want to get into it, but I do. Ha- it's sort of like when someone says something racist or sexist or homophobic, and then mm-hmm. everyone jumps on them and they said, "Hey, whatever happened to free speech?" It's like you don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, 
Jerry Falwell wasn't trying to take away anyone's rights. Yeah. Or, or life. life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that is a tangent, but yeah. I guess to get back to the main thing, and I feel, I feel like you covered covered it very well, um, but I want to re- re- reiterate something that you said, which is that the best thing that we can all do in the face of this is to keep making fun of shit that we think is funny and deserves to be ridiculed. Yeah. To not be cowed. Don't yeah. Don't pull a... Don't pull a Sony Pictures and pull pull the interview from theaters. Pull a later Sony Pictures and put it out everywhere. Um, I mean, really, the the literally the point of terror is to it's called terror because it's meant to scare you into not doing something. Yeah, or to doing what they want you to do. Yeah, so we should um, we should do it even more brazenly. There's actually um, on uh, I can't remember where this originated. I saw the link on Politico. but they were showing like which news in the in the light of this, which news organizations chose to actually publish the the the, the cartoons, yep. and um, it broke down pretty straight pretty strictly along like old legacy like print news mm-hmm. did not online news was happy to print the uh, print and I'm I'm with the with the online outlets yeah. I think that the best thing we could do is to make sure uh, to make sure that this backfired. Like now millions more people have seen these things that they found, found were offensive. Millions more yeah. people are potentially laughing at them because of what they, what they did. And I think that's the best way to do it. And I, I certainly understand places like the New York times choosing not to. Um, but uh, I'm, you won't find me singing the praises of the Huffington post very often, but in this case, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good for them. And you know, there is actually, and this goes actually deeper into the idea of comedy which and the movie that's not funny actually addresses this the idea that either everything's okay or none of it is Mm -hmm. and so the cover in question was a reference to the film the untouchables and this was called the untouchables 2 Mm -hmm. and it showed a very stereotypical jew Mm -hmm. uh pushing in a wheelchair a very stereotypical um uh, like muslim oh okay and i don't and it might have been specifically uh muhammad i don't know but um, I never saw the Untouchables, so I don't know. Neither did I. I don't get the reference. I've heard it's wonderful, but um, really, I've heard the opposite. Really, I mean, I've, I mean, it's, it's like the highest-grossing movie in the history of France. Oh, I didn't think. I don't think I knew that. I mean, I heard it was just that character-wise and acting-wise it was oh, really okay. great. Um, but probably we mentioned Driving Miss Daisy. Maybe it's a lot like that. Um, we mentioned that in a different, <coughs> but, uh, different episode. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you aren't, um, you listeners, you aren't crazy. But. Uh, but yeah, but somebody pointed out that uh, in some cases they showed uh, there's an image of the editor now deceased of uh, Charlie Hebdo um, holding up the newspaper mm-hmm. with that cover on it and that the Muslim is pixelated, but the stereotypical Jew remains. And it's just like, OK, well, <laughs> I can't think of a better statement. And, and I don't mean to speak uh, ill against Muslims, but part of me is like. So you don't mind the offensive view of this, like it just uh, again. Well, who, like who? Wait, who are you angry at right now? I'm angry. I th- I'm angry at whoever did the pixelation. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, they like at least don't get me wrong. They I don't think they should have pixelated any of it. Right. But part of me is like, if you're gonna do it, do the whole thing. Right. 
But you're you're not saying, why don't a bunch of Jews take up weapons and start shooting the bosses? <laughs> <No>. that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's all do it, you know? Um, but yeah, so as you can tell, I feel a little bit scattered right now because this kind of thing, it does make me angry. It makes me very sad. Uh, but what I, I wanted to try and get something positive out of it, which is we can be affirmed in knowing that comedy and one could then go further and say art is that powerful. Yeah. So I think we can, sorry, we can move on from there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, don't be cowed. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to some happier stuff. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's, let's, uh, it, it, okay. It is January 8th. By the time you're hearing this, it is at the very earliest January 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably not hearing it on the Jan- January 11th. Probably not. Uh, you're watching the Golden Globes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so we're, we're late opening Christmas presents, but we have a few. Well, okay. we have like five from one person, which is from our dear friend, Sarah. Let's do this. Uh, before we do that, I wanted to thank Mike oh, yeah. Siegel and Pat Francis of the Rock Solid Podcast for being on the show last week. And I would like to remind you, uh, we put it on battleshipretention.com, but you can also find it at, uh, if you look up the Rock Solid Podcast, uh, you can find the, the second half of our, uh, crossover episode in which we talk about our favorite soundtracks. So, um, so yeah, uh, please do. I, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself. Hopefully we get to do it again sometime in the future. So I just wanted to say, uh, thank you to them for, for being a part of that. And then also I wanted to send this announcement before I forget that, um, I'm going to be in Miami on January 17th. And I'm putting together a sort of meetup. As of right now, I'll be having dinner with a couple of listeners. But if you're in the Miami area and you would like to join us, um, just let me know. Email me, uh, Tyler, at BattleshipRetention.com. So January 17th, that's a Saturday. We'll be meeting at 6 p.m. at a place called Brother Jimmy's Barbecue. I like it. Yeah. I like the name. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, if you are interested, email me, Tyler, at BattleshipRetention.com, and then uh, I will give you the details. Although okay. I gave I gave you a lot already, but I would yeah. like to know as from a as far as getting uh, the proper size table and that sort of thing. All right, um, let's get to the first uh, of our presents because this is only interesting to the people who sent it to <coughs> us and not to most of the listeners. Barely to me. <laughs> so we have identical presents here from someone. I don't. There's no name here. Just a return address. It looks like they live on a road called Kingslayer, but that's probably <laughs> just my Game of Thrones fanness coming through. Oh, okay. Um, so, this is a flat thing. Oh, we got... I was a teenage wear skunk. <laughs> uh, um, refrigerator magnets. All right. I'm assuming that's what yours is as well. You're a little slow on the opening there. Yeah, sorry. I should, yes. have, I should have been more... Uh... Fridge magnets for I was a teenage wear skunk, our one-time sponsor and long-time bestie. Absolutely. Um so good luck. Excited to see how that how that film turns out. We got a card from our friend Betty. Betty, you know Betty. Oh, yes, I do know Betty. <laughs> that sounds like that sa- that sounds as though we uh, like you know uh, spent a wonderful night together or something like that. I just mean, oh yes, uh, she no, she no, she is a, she's, Betty, but this she's is, a notable listener. Yes, um, but we haven't talked about it much on the air. But she seems like a nice person. And um, if I had to guess, I'd say you cannot read her note on the air. Um, I can read, <laughs> I, I will read, it says to Tyler and David, I will read the first four, five, <laughs> five words, which is sorry for being a brat. <laughs> uh, and then it goes on to say about what I won't go into that. Yeah. Uh, then it says, have a Christmas. 
And P.S. Yes, this is a Paramount envelope swank, huh? Because <laughs> she sent us a postcard in an envelope that says Paramount. On yes, it. I was wondering what that was. Um, so yeah, this. I mean, it's now too late to put this up anywhere. Um, but we'll just put uh, it up on the wall over here, right by our uh, the thing given to us by uh, Sarah. Yeah, speaking of Sarah, we have a bunch of stuff from her. Yeah, I already opened one thing because it had my name on it, so you I can so I can do what I want. Fucker. Sorry, that is not going to balance there. Just put it on the. And it's not going to fit in there. We're feeling too punchy, and we are losing our audience. No, we're not. They're having fun with this. Well, what did you open? What did you get? Well, you'll notice that here, there's one oh, okay. with your name on it. All right, it looks like a Zippo. It's this. It's not. It's uh, We got the same thing, I assume. I don't know why is, you would go ahead and open it like that. Because that my name on it. I didn't open the thing from the Where Skunks that had my name on it. That's true. I waited. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I got the feeling they were mints, and so I and I needed some at the yep. moment. Mints from Boston. Indeed. Thanks, Sarah. Boston mints. <laughs> oh, yeah, those classic Boston mints. Um, these look to be identical, so we're going to open up both okay. of these. It is man, a, as as See, it seemed, it is a chocolate bar. Awesome. It says greetings from Boston. Is it is it the same chocolate bar? Because if not, we get we have to compare, so I know which one is is for me. They look like they're the same. All right, awesome. This one feels like coffee. Okay. I don't know if that's what it is. But Sarah, you sent us so much cool stuff. It is Boston baked beans. That's why it felt like coffee. Some I don't think I know. I don't think I know what a Boston beans. baked bean is. Um, well, this is the recipe. Okay. For making them. You're welcome to have them. I don't think I will enjoy them. All right. They're mine then. All right. Why don't you open this last one? Then? All right. This is the big one. This better be something that only I will like. Because David just got those beans. Yeah. Make sure if you ever want to send us any food, make sure it's really spicy, or it's I don't know, Indian flavored. What else? <laughs> Uh, if you want to send us any of those weird crisps from England or Australia, I'm a big fan of those. What what crisps are you talking about? They have all kinds of weird flavors. Crisps means chips. Okay, but all right. chips means fries, so you can't say that. Oh Jesus, this is exhausting. <laughs> um, Other countries are the worst, <laughs> but they have all kinds of weird flavors. But you can get them here at the uh, uh, Friar Tuck Shop on Burbank. Oh, I know the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is uh, some Boston saltwater taffy, which I will be able to eat. That's very exciting. Good, yeah. Probably uh, not on the air. I feel like that would no, that, not, uh, yeah, that would be conducive to I'm going to take discussion. a little bit of that, but you can have most of it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. Yeah, That was you. great. See, and thanks, Betty, good... and thanks, um, Where's Where's Skunks? guys, um, whose names I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know what? I re- I'll remember your name if you, if you keep sponsoring us. Um, <laughs> give us money and I'll remember. But, um... Yeah, you know, it's a good thing that I uh it's a good thing that I have not yet taken down my uh my Christmas decorations cuz uh Christmas wasn't over. It's right. You're so, you're right. There right. you go. All right. All right. Um speaking of Christmas, hey, Christmas is never over as long as tweakedaudio.com exists. And you can <laughs> you can buy Christmas <laughs> presents all all year round uh, at tweakedaudio.com. They have professional style earbuds in a variety of styles and, and colors, professional quality earbuds and over the ear headphones they now have. They also have watches. We never talk about that. Yeah, we never do. He um, hasn't sent us any samples. That's Bruce, why. Send us- he didn't send us any over the ear headphones either. You bought those. That's true. You know why? Why is that? Because they're worth it. They are worth it. They've actually been very handy. Yeah, they're, seriously, Tweaked Audio makes fantastic, uh, some fantastic gear. So uh, you can find them at tweakedaudio.com, and if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, 
You get that for one third off and no shipping charges. That's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, I'm eating that chocolate. Sorry. But I'm sure it's fine. Uh, I, I don't know how that's possible um, for you to be eating the chocolate right now. Sorry. Let's talk about the topic. Okay. Um, this is sort of, I guess, we don't need too many peeks behind the curtain. Uh, we talked about, uh, in the last two movie journals, mm-hmm. we talked about the movie Un- Unbroken. Yeah. Now, to you, does Unbroken qualify as an epic? No. I'm, I'm going to ask you why not. Okay. I don't know. Um, okay, because I have thought about what I mean by epic. Okay. And I think... I think there are three things that have to be an epic. Okay. Um, I can, by the way, I, I, I'm sorry I said no so abruptly. I'm willing to work through it. Right, uh, and we will. If you want. Okay. We're going to come back to that. All right. But I'm going to work, I'm going to tell you my definition of an epic. And I think there are three things. And two of them should probably be pretty obvious and one might not be. Okay. I think it has to be long to be an epic. I think okay. it has to be grand. Yeah. And... I think, it, and I'm not sure what the what the right word for this is, but I think to a certain extent, an epic should be a little bit episodic. Okay. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yes, it I sh- do. It should encounter multiple events. You know, we talk about Lawrence of Arabia has yeah. multiple. It, it's not just the story of this guy who goes to Arabia and does does this thing, right? It, you know, it, it it has all these different sections. <clears throat> I recently rewatched uh, Lawrence of Arabia, um, and. Uh, yeah, and it, it moves super fast. I mean, I think of it as one of the longest movies uh, ever. It's not really that long, but it's it's over it's pretty it's long. over three. Um, oh yeah, is it is it only? I think it's like three fifteen, maybe even longer. That's not even that bad, actually. Um, I mean, that's pretty bad, but yeah, but it doesn't feel like it. That's the thing because, and I think it's because it's episodic, um, because you never linger too long in one in one section. But uh, okay, so what do we got? So it has to be long. What is long? Over two and a half. See that's these days it's pretty you know yeah that that's a difficult the question. Dark Knight Rises over is over two and a half yeah that's three hours and thirty six minutes three thirty six that's okay. pretty long all right yeah yeah that's uh that's seven samurai long which I'll get to in a moment it's more than Titanic well over that's that's about twenty minutes longer than Titanic okay so it um, needs to be long needs to have a grandeur to it yeah and it needs to be episodic I'm not sure if I agree about that third one then g- give me an example of a movie <clears throat> that you think of as epic. That is not episodic. You know what? I don't know. Well, okay. Let me. Okay, so we're, we're on. It, if you're going to talk about epics, you got to get. You'll you'll eventually arrive at David Lean. Um, and by eventually, I mean probably immediately. Yeah, that's um, what we did. <laughs> so, uh, do you consider Bridge on the River Kwai an epic? I would have to rewatch it. I actually asked myself that very question: okay. whether or not it counts. Because when people think of the David Lean epics, they think of Primarily, uh, Bridge on the Requai, Lawrence, and Dr. Zhivago. Right. There's also a passage to India. Passage to India, yeah. And then I think there's another one, but I don't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, and so <coughs> uh, Dr. Zhivago is definitely an epic. Lawrence is certainly an epic. Bridge on the Requai, it's actually kind of a small story, but it's a lar- it's, it's large scale. I think that might be the other thing. I guess that's what you mean by grandeur. You know, yeah, we've yeah. got you know entire bridges being built over ravines oh. we've got train crashes we've got explosions we've got it takes place over a long period of time but i don't think that that film is particularly episodic um 
again, I would have to rewatch it. First off, the one you're forgetting is Ryan's daughter. I Ryan's daughter. That's I forgot one. that too. Um, but yeah, I, again, I would have to rewatch uh, the Bridge in the River Kwai because it's. Um, we think of it. I mean, Alec Guinness is the lead character, but him and he and Will, William. But that's Holden. what I'm saying. There yeah. are parts. There are parts of William Holden the story that are largely separate. Yeah. So it could be seen to be episodic in that way. Um, but I, I again, I don't know if it if it qualifies. I do feel like you know comparing this to Lawrence because there are there are things you know with uh, when. Alleginis first arrives. He and his and his troops first arrive in the camp, and he's going up against Colonel Saito, and they put him in the box, you know, and that is a an extended sequence, and one could say that that is one of the episodes. Right. But I feel like, <clears throat> unlike you know, okay, we we have to prepare for a battle. We've now won. You know, we're fighting the battle. We've won it. That's done. This is like just two guys. And right, yeah, it's it's an interaction between two so people. Maybe when I say episodic, because I said from the beginning, I'm not sure that's the right word. Okay, maybe what I mean is that it has to cover a certain number of disparate times and or places. Okay, you know, I mean, how long does if Lawrence of Arabia is going to be our uh, touchstone? Which is fine. Yeah, I mean that covers a long time, a number yeah. of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we're only seeing glimpses of, glimpses of it. You know, there are long, long periods that go by in that movie that we don't see on the screen. Um, and so maybe that's why I hesitate to include Bridge on the River Kwai because it's actually kind of straightforward and it, you know, it, I mean, it obviously, it takes place over more than the three hours or whatever that it takes place. Yeah. But it's sort of, they're all connected. It doesn't have any leaps in time or place. It has some leaps in place because yeah, doesn't it I go mean, back to like Hawaii or something? Yeah. Cause we, I mean, we go back to William Holden and, and he has his own little adventure getting away from, uh, the, the, right. I keep saying camp. That's not right. Yeah, I think it's a camp. Okay. <laughs> Makes it sound more fun than it is. Right. But, it's not like, um, Ernest goes to, ex- but it's <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, gee, I'm glad it's raining. <laughs> One of the best songs ever. Um, why, so, wouldn't, why didn't we bring that up oh, on our rock solid crossover? Well, I'll, I'll have to email Pat. Um, and so, uh, so and so, yeah, he he escapes. He gets taken in by like some locals, nursed back to health, goes off to Hawaii, and then he and Jack Hawkins have to come back and trek through the forest all to get back to this camp. So, I mean, he does have a journey that takes him to a number of places. Um, Although that's the thing is when we think it's so interesting when we think of Bridge on the Rakwai, I know that for myself, I think of Colonel Nicholson and Colonel Saito. I think of that power struggle and the fact that they eventually come to work together, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Though I love William Holden and I like Jack Hawkins a lot. Um, that story, maybe because it seems more conventional, I never think of that as like the draw for Bridge on the Rakwai. But it is there. That is part of the movie. A significant portion of time is spent on William Holden's character. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that it certainly widens the the scope a little bit. Um but yeah, compared to Lawrence, I feel like it's Lawrence I think that is kind of the the gold standard. Um but I'm about let me ask another question in regard cuz you know when we say grand or grandeur that can mean a number of things. When I think of epics, I do tend to think of a lot of people. 
I feel the opposite, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because the word epic, where where it comes from in terms of like poetry, oh yeah, is usually a poem about a hero. Yeah. And so I feel like making the more of an ensemble it becomes, the more the epicness of it maybe gets watered down. Now we just watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and that's obviously yes. that obviously flies in the face of what I just said. But that's my that's my gut reaction is that I'm more willing to call something an epic if it follows one person or a limited number of people See, over I, a long period of time or a lot of covers a lot of ground. And I feel like uh, I, I would venture to say that at this point, because you're right, that's that's what an epic is. Even though, you know, um, who is it? Is it Odysseus? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean he had like a group of people with him. It's not like it was a big army, but there was well like probably 30 guys with him or something like that. It's been like a that. long time since I've read the Odyssey. Um But yeah, and so like or there watched is, the uh NBC miniseries with Armando Sante. Armando Sante. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, and so and Vanessa Williams and Bernadette Peters? I don't remember. I remember Armando Sante and that's when my mind shuts off. Um Did you actually see it? <laughs> yeah. I remember liking it. But I remember I liking young. it, but even at the time, I was like, why is this, why is the guy who played John Gotti uh, playing Odysseus? That sounds weird. Well, this um, is before it was okay for uh, movie actors to do TV. And, oh, absolutely. Um, and so... Yeah, Bernadette Peters, Isabella Rossellini. Okay. Uh, who did I say before? Uh, I don't remember. Vanessa Williams? Yeah, she's in it. Okay. Christopher Lee, Geraldine Chaplin. We were just talking about her off mic. Okay. Um, Eric Roberts... The uh, the guy from The Fugitive who turns out to be a bad guy. I know how to spell his name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, yeah, I guess those are the those are the big stars. By the way, I can't think of anything more inherently movie nerdy than to say Geraldine Chaplin. We were just talking about her off mic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I feel like that's – I agree with you that that's – part of where the term started, but I would venture to say at this point, it has taken on a different uh, connotation. I think at this point, you know, big armies fighting each other, at least large groups of people. I mean, you know, Bridge on the Require, like there's, you know, hundreds of people in that film. Like there are, you know. Right, but when those, um, first off, I have a favor to ask you. Okay. Can we blow out that candle? Oh, sure. It's getting a little too cinnamony in here. Um, sorry. But, uh, but in those old movies, like the, you know, Gone with the Winds or Sesame DeMille. I hurt myself on the candle. Yeah, you fucked up the blowing out of a candle. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't want the smoke to, like, set off the smoke alarm. And so I'm, I'm, but my finger touched the glass. This is not fun for anyone. No. Okay, when those movies talked about a cast of thousands, you know, with Sesame DeMille movies, they were talking about extras. Those are still yeah. generally movies about a person. Gone with the Wind is about Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. The Ten Commandments is about Moses. Yeah. It's it's those aren't ensemble pieces really. I mean they are in the sense almost by a certain necessity of being so big that there are a lot of characters in them. Yeah. But like like with Lawrence, they they follow uh they follow one person. 
Yeah. What are you looking at? That's what you should have done from the beginning. Yeah, I know. But I, it's, I, I had a bad experience in science class. Um, okay. okay, that's not going to make sense to anybody. Uh, no, I agree with you. And here's the thing is, um, my, that's the thing, my first thought, the reason that I wanted to bring up the idea of the cast of thousands and all that sort of thing and, and what people think of when they think of an epic is because I wanted to ask, you know, is that something that people, you know, I'd be interested to get people's comments, um, you know, about, I guess, the whole question, but also does it need to have does it need to involve a lot of people? Because if so, you know, there's a movie like The Searchers. I mean, that's there's a grand, certainly a grandeur to it. Um, there, it's episodic, but there really isn't that many people involved. There's actually or, very few. Or yeah, or Solaris would be another one that's super long that has very few people in it. I don't know if you could consider that an epic because it's so. Uh, it's so, uh, so I, there's a word that I keep almost getting. Okay. I can't think of what it is, man. It's, Solaris, it's so internal. Yeah. I, I, sir, I'll say this. I would certainly, if somebody were to say, if someone came up to me on the street and said, Hey, is Solaris an epic? I'd say, no, get away from me. <laughs> um, I, so I don't think that, uh, certainly instinctively, I don't think of it that way. But if we're, if we're looking at it like this. Uh, there, it's so interesting because there's a gra- there is a grandeur to it, but it's also very small. There's a grandeur because they're in a spaceship near uh, a living planet. Yeah. Or I get, sorry, or I forget if it's I forget how they I'm getting the two of them mixed up. Or it's a planet with a living ocean, or whatever it was. Yeah. And so, um, whatever it is, and so like that, there's a grandeur to that. But of course, so much of it takes place with just a handful of people inside the spaceship. It's actually mm-hmm. very small in many ways or intimate. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, this turns out to be a very interesting question because then we come to, because I'm thinking of all these movies and thing like, does this count? Because a movie like life and death of Colonel blimp is certainly a lot of the things we're talking about, but is there a grandeur to it? I feel like that one's actually pretty small. I don't know. I feel like there is a grandeur to it. It might be small in its focus, but just, just in its look, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and uh, and, and I mean that the the fencing sequence and the way the camera sort of like yeah pulls away like that's that's definitely grand. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know it's <clears throat> for some reason I'm I find myself reluctant. Maybe because epic. I think the word maybe gets thrown around a lot. Uh, it's yes, cer- cer- I, think, I think it's a short. There's a shorthand going. When, on. Whenever I put because I have like a, a a notes thing on my phone of possible topic ideas, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what it was. Whenever I put this in the possible topics, mm-hmm. it was because I was hearing the word epic used um, in a way I didn't think it fit, or maybe only fits some of the yeah. You know, maybe something that's grand. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, being described as epic, but it didn't fit the other categories, okay. the qualification. Can you think of off the top of your head? Can you, cause it sounds like well, it's been a while. Well, I did. I, I don't remember what exactly it was, but, um, when I did a, just a Google search of like, what do people consider like great epic movies? This one list has the matrix on it. I, I don't think I, that, I mean, there's a grandeur to its vision, but I would never consider that an, an epic. No, not at all. Um, and, and, and that's the thing. So, okay, let me. So, let me stop for one moment. I'm sorry. Um, so, you and I both said we're both pretty quick to say no. 
So let's so let's take a moment and think why would this person include it? Now, of course, anytime I look at a list that says like movies that involve this, some of them are uh-huh. like way off and uh it's like, "Oh, somebody in the somebody in the movie said the word or something like that." <laughs> um but just for the sake of argument, <clears throat> let's look at a movie like The Matrix. Uh it's a whole other world. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are two of them. One is the future where, you know, there are spaceships, there are machines and that sort of thing flying through the air. But then there's our world, which is the, though it is recognizable to us and there's no epic quality to it. You have people jumping, you know, jumping over building, you know, jumping from one building to another. Right. Uh, and, and you have this crazy kind of action. Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly, you know, episodic to use that word again, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I can see how somebody, I can see how somebody would arrive there, but I do think maybe there's almost an intangible quality. It just doesn't feel. It doesn't have the big. sweep. It doesn't. Yeah, there's a, there is a sweeping element to it. Um, to the I'm saying there isn't as much of a sweep. To no, the sorry. Matrix. There's a, there's a sweeping element to the idea of epics. Yeah. That I that definitely is not there for the Matrix. And then another one that came up here that talk about not feeling it because this is a movie that in fits, the bedroom. No, a movie that fits all of my qualifications. Okay. But I would never consider it an epic. Forrest Gump. Hmm. And I wonder if it comes down to lack of sweep, or I wonder, this is the first thing I thought, and I wonder, going back to our pre-topic conversation, is Forrest Gump too lighthearted? Is there too much comedy? Is there too much comedy in Forrest Gump for it to be an epic? Uh... And often, I mean, and when it comes to Forrest Gump, comedy is often in quotation marks. I don't think that movie holds up very well. Uh... But do you do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Is, is there too much levity? Yeah. I mean, we, I feel like with most epics, we need to feel that it is very important that it's that there's a lot of depth going on there, and and there's a, certainly a one could venture to say that Forrest Gump is light as a feather. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm not sure if I would immediately consider it an epic, but I can definitely see where somebody's coming from, especially. There is a grandeur to the extent that I remember um, later on in the film when when Forrest is talking about thinking back on his life, and we see a montage of him um, in Vietnam, you know, in the middle of the forest uh, or the jungle. We see him on the on a fishing boat, you know, looking out at the sunrise. We see him running across the desert, you know, like. It there is there is a something of a sweeping quality to it. It's very much in. I mean, it's it very much focuses on on him. But the fact that there are they're not played up very much, but that there are moments within the film uh, in which he acknowledges that he is occupying a much larger world. Um, I don't know. So I I, I can and it is certainly episodic. Um, yeah, it very much. So it definitely that. has that. And I mean. Okay, and then if we want to look at it from an Odyssey standpoint, I mean, we've got one guy trying desperately to get back to this woman, right? And having to like, in some cases, even fighting suitors, uh-huh. you know. So, uh, uh, it that's the thing. Based on like what you said, based on everything that I've just said, I'd say it's an epic, but it doesn't it doesn't have the the portent if that yeah if that makes sense. Um. And well, here's a here's a weird thing that I hadn't thought about until just now. I mean, Forrest Gump is a period piece, mm-hmm. 
but not to the extent some of these other things are. Right. I mean, how many movies can be considered epic that take place in the modern day? Um, define modern day, like literally, right literally now. at the time that yeah, at the time that they're released. I, I feel like there aren't. It doesn't happen. They're always either the past or they're some sort of uh, fantasy or fictional world. Yeah. There's, I mean, there has to be one. I mean, I'm sure there is. Even but... even the stuff where that I'm arriving at is stuff like we talked about with Matt with uh, Matt Champagne Once Upon a Time in America, a movie I don't necessarily like, but it certainly has an epic scope to it. Um, but even that is that's though, a period piece. Yeah, that's a period piece. Um, yeah, gosh, it's hard to say. Sorry, there's there's dead air right here because I'm yeah. really trying to think about it. Here's an interesting one that's on this list that I would not have thought of. Okay. It's modern day. You wouldn't think of it as, as epic. All right. But now that I'm thinking in terms of our definition, it kind of is an epic. Okay. Man on fire. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, this guy's going on a big journey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take place over as much. It's all Mexico City and environs, and it's all within a certain yeah. amount of time. Well, okay, let me ask you this. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot. I think there's a lot. I think the concept of an epic actually has a lot in common with the idea of an adventure or a quest. And But not every quest is an epic, and not every adventure is an epic. But I could see one getting them mixed up. Um, and I feel like Man on Fire, that it certainly doesn't feel epic to me, but it does feel an adventure certainly doesn't sound uh, weighty enough. But it, he's on a quest for, you know, a certain degree of personal redemption yeah. and that kind of thing. But does it really not feel epic at all to you? I mean, I feel like it's almost, and th- this is a word that maybe overlaps some but i feel like there's something operatic about man on fire that uh, that i'll give you and um but i so feel like that's, that's what a, i'm a, uh, conflating with yeah. epic it, yeah and i feel i feel like while those two probably can go together i don't think they're necessarily the same thing um i think there's an operatic quality to the godfather and I, while people call it an do people do you think it's an epic yes i think the godfather is an epic okay. and especially godfather I, part two Godfather Part Two, absolutely, and I guess I guess he does go to Italy in the first Godfather, and it does span a great deal of time. Although I, that's something that always bothered me about the first Godfather is, like, it takes place over over like a few, a few years. Uh-huh. It never felt like it did. You don't think so? I yeah. feel like it does. It feels like it takes place over one year, huh? As opposed to something like Breaking Bad, which ostensibly takes place over one year, and it feels like it's been seven. Um, I don't know. It's uh, the last no. time I saw Godfather. I was like, "Yeah, I guess." I don't know. It's just they're they're sorry. I'm getting hung up. Breaking Bad takes place over more than one year. It's the first, the first four seasons are a little more than a year, but then there's a jump. Where's the jump again? Well, because the fifth season starts with it being one year after the end of the fourth season. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay. And the, and 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 so the. Season 5A ends with him, I, I, don't, I don't know, we're getting into spoilers, but he's essentially deciding to retire. Yeah, yeah. And months have passed between the end of 5A and five and the beginning of 5B. Okay. Before so he starts thinking, to get drawn back in. Yeah, but yeah, that first, first four seasons. And the first like three seasons are like seven months. 
yeah. of, of time. Yeah, come on, guys. Um, let's let's be real here. Um, but it's, I mean, Lost is four seasons that take place over about three and a half months. The first four seasons, I mean, they're not flashbacks included, but the on-island time yeah. from episode one to the end of season four is 108 days. We're into a tangent, and I apologize, everybody, but uh, have you ever felt the desire to do that, to watch an episode a day so that you're basically following along with them. I definitely have. But then okay. once you're done with season four, it doesn't fit yeah. anymore. But it, I think it'd be interesting to see in the same way that you and I said, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to watch 24 all in one day? Yeah. Which you people know? have done that. Yeah. And, and in that sense, you would get a real, I think you'd get a really strong sense of, Oh yeah. It's not possible that this would all happen in one day. <laughs> Um, well, especially anyway. now, when we watched this first season of 24, we didn't live in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we didn't know. There's no <laughs> way he could make it to the Van Nuys Airport in 12 minutes. No way. That's ridiculous. No way. <laughs> I live right by the Van Nuys Airport, and I could barely make it there in 20. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, this topic actually turned out to be, I mean, I thought it was going to be interesting, but it actually winds up being more complicated than I thought it would be, because we're bringing in other ideas, like adventure operatic i think it was the key right there um because but i don't think adventure necessarily has to do with it because i don't think of the godfather as adventure movies no neither no it's not every epic i don't think every epic has an adventure aspect to it um but i think there are there are plenty of movies that have a, a quest aspect or an adventure aspect but quest and I is think different people, than adventure that I mean, is there's true. a lot the venn diagrams overlap but adventure there's a fun to yeah. adventure and I, I mean, this isn't the best movie, but Braveheart is, I would consider that an epic and I would consider that a quest yeah. and it's an action movie. Yeah. But I would stop short of calling it adventure an adventure, I think, because it's like some adventures, serious shit. Adventures don't usually end with the hero getting disemboweled and then his head cut right. off. Or start with his wife getting uh, her throat slit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely. And yeah, it doesn't I, start. Uh, that's actually pretty far into the movie. Hence I think the I, epicness. I think I sometimes forget that, like, there is definitely a difference between adventure and quest. I do sometimes use them interchangeably. Perhaps quest is what I should stick with. But when, yeah. When I think of adventure, I think of, like, romancing the stone. Yeah, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even right. though there are stakes to it, it still feels very much like an adventure. Right. But let me ask you this. I just okay. brought up Raiders of the Lost Ark. Certainly episodic. Spans continents. Yeah, I think it over goes back the, to that thing of being too lighthearted. I, yeah, I guess so. And I don't know if that's fair. But, I mean, can you have an epic comedy? I did see It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> uh, I saw that when I was younger. It's very long. Uh, and it's very funny and it, yeah. and it's cross country with, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of characters. I know we said that's not key and I guess there is no real lead officially, but, uh, but yeah, I guess if there is an epic comedy, that's it. Um, what about, and I know this isn't a comedy, but it's very funny. There will be blood, <laughs> but is there will be blood an epic? Because <laughs> while it does take place over a long period of time, the vast majority majority of it isn't actually over that long a period of time. Do you think there's a okay? So I've I've said adventure, I've said quest, and that kind of thing. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think it's important that there is a journey, uh, physically or emotionally, but probably physically as well? Um, do you think it's important that there's a journey in an epic? Like even Bridge on the Require, where a lot of it takes place in one place, there's still yeah, but a guy I, taking a journey. Uh, to go back to Lawrence of Arabia, would you consider that a journey? 
there's to me i think there's there's a lot of travel going from one place to another and i to me i think part of the right. interesting thing of lawrence of arabia is that he does seem to be wanting to go somewhere and all is always moving but he doesn't know where he's trying to go yeah that's that's, that's why, why i mentioned I, the I w- emotional aspect as well yeah but but in, in that it's still not a journey or a quest if he doesn't have a destination in mind whether you're talking about geographically or emotionally i don't yeah. think that's a journey yeah i think it's more like seems- an exploration yeah, the destination seems incidental. I th- and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, Lawrence of Arabia is uh, such a fascinating film is that it's there it's a, it's a huge epic. Mm-hmm. And at its very core is this weird enigma and you never quite know why our main character is doing anything but it doesn't seem like a flaw. Um and so uh yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, I'm 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 asking these things not really knowing what I think about it, and, but that's the thing is, I feel like there's I, this may it may sound weird to describe um, there will be blood this way, but it feels like there's almost an inertia to it. Like I feel like we're not moving for, we're moving forward in time, but not really anything else. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I um, do. and so uh, so let me think of okay, so. Because because over at More Than One Lesson, we've been doing a lot of uh, best picture stuff, and we're now getting into the 80s, which was a time when – I mean, epics tend to win best picture. People like to think of epics as like, oh, the, look how big it is. Yeah. Clearly, this deserves to be the best picture. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm trying to think of you know best pictures that are epics, and I mean, there are certainly uh, a lot of them. I think Out of Africa is an epic um, – the Last Emperor, I feel like. Oh, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. My gut, ne- my gut is my gut reaction is yes, but yeah. it has been a long time. And I've never seen all of it. Dances with Wolves, having recently seen it, it, it is definitely that. Um, <coughs> Braveheart, English Patient, I think. Titanic. I mean, it has the. It's sweeping. It, it, it's yeah, it's long and sweeping and grand. Yeah. Um, I guess it's kind of episodic on top of all that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it takes place over a rather short period of time. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's. And let me. Yeah, ask, I, don't, I don't know if it. Like how. how this, this is a very arbitrary question. I apologize. Like how how long a time do you think it needs to be? Like it could be two months. I think you could you could have a giant, a, a huge story take place in two months. Or do you feel like it needs to take, for like our main characters, it needs to, this thing that is happening to them, the story we're watching, has to have taken up a significant portion of their life and thus become something of a defining uh, Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Because this brings me back to, well, you know what, I want to ask the question that I asked at the beginning, why don't you consider Unbroken an an epic? Okay. Um, Because I, I do. Yeah, and and I'm not re- now that we've said all this, uh, I'm not really sure. It certainly is episodic. Film's not as long as it should be. I, and part of and you know what, part of me feels like as as I said in the uh, in the movie journal, I do think that if they had continued the story, um, I think I would consider it more of an epic. And I also think they should have. This is what I said a couple movie journals ago. Um, not reduce the childhood part to flashbacks during the war part. Yeah. Like 
yeah give that time it could be like a lifelong epic yeah and I, I think it would be a better movie if it were and you know i guess any any story that's that's a survival story i feel unless it's you know like the pianist which i know is not a film that you love um but right. the the character is constantly moving um he has to go from one place to another whereas um the idea of unbroken is they're in one place and just enduring. And so I feel like but there, I there's no forward momentum uh, on the part of the characters that it's will. It's just there. He's just a man of will. Whereas, and that's why I think no, his, name is, his name is Louie. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Get out of my house. I will finish the episode on my own. Um, but I feel like had they incorporated the ending that I, that, that I'm talking about, I feel like then you actually have, all of this stuff culminating in action in forward momentum and him making decisions aside from just endure. I don't know. So I feel like it's that. Well, I forgot because I made my dumb joke. I forgot what I was going to say before. Oh, okay. What movie did we compare it to just now? Just now? Yeah. Gosh, I don't recall. Yeah. We said another thing. Yeah. I forget what it was. Um, I have compared it in the past to uh 12 years a slave let me ask you this do you think that's an epic i think it might qualify yeah it doesn't feel i don't remember uh, how long is 12 years a slave it's like two hours and 10 minutes <laughs> for a moment I, I thought you were saying i thought you were asking how long the period is and i was like <laughs> I've, I've got good news for you this one is easy to figure out <laughs> uh yeah it's it's over too um it's not i don't remember it being super long in my opinion, not as long as it should have been. Um, and I, maybe, okay, so, all right, I've got more questions. I've, I've, I've arrived at something, which is how much of a role does the main, if we have a main character, even if there's an ensemble aspect, which there isn't in 12 Years a Slave, but like, if we have a main character, how important is their choice and their ability and willingness to move things forward? How important is that? To the idea of epics. I don't think it's important either way. Okay. I don't see that as being... I think that can or cannot happen and it can still be an epic. Okay. I think you can have a reactive character. Yeah. As opposed to a proactive character and still have it be an epic movie. So reactive character, I guess that brings us to Charles Dickens. Uh, <laughs> specifically like like Oliver Twist or Nicholas Nickleby. Um, do you feel like those are, are epic stories? I mean, I guess, I guess are... it depends on the telling. Yeah, that's Cause true. we're talking about movies here. Yeah. Yeah. If we, I don't want to get into novels. Okay. That's a different thing. Well, I, I'm fine with sticking with, uh, different, uh, filming of, of his stories. Um, I've seen, I've, I think I've seen two or three versions of Oliver Twist. I never saw Oliver. Sorry, Oliver. Um, I I've saw seen Oliver. What was that? I've seen Oliver. Oh, all right. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if Oliver leaves to mind. Great expectations, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Nickleby. Um, I don't know that much Dickens. I don't either, unfortunately. I think we just listed all the ones I know. He did, uh, I don't, he I don't did know. Tale of Two Cities, right? Yeah, but I've never read or seen a version of it. Neither have nor I. David Copperfield. Yeah. Nor Our Mutual Friend, which is the... <laughs> Whom are you the, referring to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our mutual friend is the only Dickens novel that Desmond on Lost has never read, and he's saving it oh. for when he knows he's going to die because he wants it to be the last thing that he reads. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and Penny hides yeah. the note in there. 
mm. for years because she knows she won't he won't find the note until he's in a moment of true despair because that's the oh. only way he would open the book and that's what saves his life keeps him from kill, killing himself the night, the night that john locke is pounding on the uh yeah on the hatch the night that boone died <laughs> wow that uh <laughs> really sums things up so lost is obviously an epic i think so um it covers space and time yeah um yeah and so i feel like um how long have we been about an hour okay um i feel like it does feel like uh, this episode should be three hours long but i feel like we would just be spinning our wheels um and so yeah i, I but i feel like there's something that i meant to say when you, were ta- when you were talking about why you don't consider unbroken recap that that um that the character something about like because then i got wrapped up in you know bridge on the require and stuff yeah um, yeah that he's not really there's no forward momentum he's he's always in one place and then he, there's just the will to not die and i think had they incorporated um the, okay yeah the 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 thing at the end if they had incorporated this other aspect then suddenly it shows that all of this stuff has had an impact on him and now he is a changed person uh, because of all this, and now he is going to take control of his life um, and is going to do very the opposite of what uh, one would think, which is like hold a grudge, get be bitter, perhaps even try to exact some revenge, but instead he's doing the opposite. And so I feel like it, maybe it has to do with the fact that you said something about uh, childhood and flashback mm-hmm. and that you mm-hmm. didn't like that. Um, but yeah, so I feel like, but then, but then you said that in your opinion, it doesn't have to be a character that is acting that, that is, that is moving things forward. It can be somebody responding to things. Yeah. And I feel like this is, this is where to come full circle. This is where we should end. I just can't figure out exactly how to end. I did also talk about the pianist. Um, that's exactly what it is. Sam. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to talk about in that the pianist I don't know that grandeur is the right word to describe the penis because right. I think the penis really feels like um, it feels real. Yeah. Whereas Unbroken, even though it's a true story, has a grandeur to it that feels some exaggerated. That is true. Which yes. is not necessarily – it can be a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think um, with this story, maybe it's – though I think it's beautiful, I find I, – I feel like it'd be ah, – Sorry, I'm angry now about Unbroken. I just feel like they they made so many choices that they that I think undercut yeah, I think the, you, the you, power of the story. I didn't like it very much, but I feel like you dislike it more actively than I do. <laughs> I think I'm talking myself into uh, <laughs> liking it less than I than I did initially. Um, um, but yeah. Okay, so so there, is there, it possible there, for there to be? And maybe you're headed this way yourself. The pianist doesn't feel like an epic to you because everything, I mean, he's, you know, he's want, he's walking around in, you know, city ruins like that. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a vastness to that, even though it's empty. Um, but it but, feels too immediate. It, oh, okay. It, it's like, it's, it's too, um, I think I know tactile yeah, almost. Yeah. Whereas to go back to Lawrence of Arabia, the, the true, the real genius of Lawrence of Arabia is that, in a way, it all could be taking place inside Lawrence's mind. I mean, that would be, it's not literally like he wakes up at the end. But this, the topography of the desert sort yeah. of 
sort of reflects what we the most we can see of his mind yeah there's clearly a lot of complex things going on in there Mm -hmm. but Lawrence Arabia spends over three and a half hours like a battleship retention episode yeah and comes up with like we don't know yeah you know (laughs) uh and and but because of that because it's all sort of metaphorical yeah the things that happen even though people are killed and there's uh grand you know huge political changes taking place that have real world world effects they don't feel as immediate as the events of the pianist do Mm -hmm. um and maybe that's the kind of grandeur i'm talking about that's so grand it's larger than life in in such a way that it doesn't feel like life entirely perhaps the word mythic That, that might be right because i i absolutely know what you mean it almost feels like i mean to to as to, as you said to like to bring things back full cir- circle the concept of the epic you know like Homer's Odyssey and stuff like that just this idea of like oh this story that is bigger than real life there's that's why we're telling it even if it's a true story it's it somehow transcends everyday experience and one of the things that I like about the pianist is it's very firmly rooted in in it takes. The concept of survival, which we had in the Holocaust, which we had seen depicted in other films, and actually brings it down to a very human, tangible level. Whereas something like Lawrence of Arabia or even something like The Searchers, it just everything gets so grand that it almost takes on more meaning, right? Than the story itself would. Yeah, I think I think we're really getting getting okay. to it. Um, and perhaps what, and this which okay, sorry, no, you go ahead. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention, cause I, I talked about it on the, um, on the, the movie journal is that, uh, I recently saw seven samurai. It's three hours and 26 minutes. I mean, that's an epic length. And while Kurosawa has certainly made epics and one would say that seven samurai is an epic, it actually doesn't seem that epic. The story is actually fairly small. Um, it's 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 a little bit episodic i guess um so it's it has an epic length and of course and it's a period piece so there's that as well mm-hmm. um but it actually brings a lot of the mythic elements down to a very human level but i wonder if perhaps the reason that uh, cuz i've i've heard it described as an epic i wonder if people are saying it only because of the the length of the film but um but i think one of the reasons that an argument could be made that it is epic is because so much that even though these characters often relate to each other, I mean, you have characters saying like, God damn it, you know, (laughs) which is weird for a samurai to say. Um, And so uh, (laughs) you don't immediately. Yeah, but you just said it like Tom Waits too. (laughs) Ah, That's more Nick Nolte. Sorry. Um, But, uh, but that's the thing. Um, So aside from the very human aspect of it, uh, it does seem to, especially towards the end uh, as some of our, protagonists are, are dying um it does seem to take on metaphorical weight beyond just the story that is being told and so i wonder if perhaps um that is why it's viewed as epic and, and this and this goes back to what i was saying before like sometimes th- there seems to be an intangible quality to it mm-hmm. and maybe that's what i mean is it just starts to absorb meaning even if it's not officially there, the story doesn't inherently have that meaning, but the way it's being told takes that on. Okay. Okay. I've been talking but, for a but while. The, but sorry. the way you're saying it, no, it was fine. You were talking for a while. 
the way you're saying it almost leads me to believe that you think an epic is almost necessarily good, that a good film. If it's soaking up this meaning, like that seems like a like high praise. Because to me, uh, again, or this is all coming just, back to Unbroken. Okay. To me, Unbroken feels mythic and larger than life. Yeah. But it's also empty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so to me, that's enough to make it epic, just not enough to make it good. Yeah. But by your definition, Unbroken is not an epic because it's not a good movie. <laughs> well, it's, I, I think it's possible. Because that could be bad epics, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I believe uh, there's a movie called The Conqueror starring uh, John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Okay. And I believe that is a bad epic. Okay. Um, uh, I've not so, seen it, incidentally. So I'm still trying to get you to... Uh, I guess I'm still trying to convince you for some reason, even though I don't care. Uh, I'm trying to convince you that Unbroken qualifies as an epic, even if it's not good. I, I'm certainly willing to entertain that it qualifies as an epic. Okay. Um, and, and I think I probably, you know, if pressed, I think I would say that 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 I would agree that... You know, I'm not... I can't... Even now, I can't bring myself to say it is an epic. I think I would say it has an epic quality. Okay. Um, and maybe that's the thing is... Because epics tend to be larger, if they don't work, they seem like more of a misfire. Um, and so, uh, and it's almost like, oh, and so, you know, if in the same way that uh, if, a, if a comedy isn't funny, we feel the need to put quotes around comedy. Because <laughs> and so if a film is trying to have an epic scope, but we actually find that it does not, it's not drawing us in the way other epics do. I'm reluctant to say that it succeeded in doing that one thing, you know. I mean, official like a horror movie that isn't scary. We'd be like, yeah, I guess it's a horror movie. Like people just in, yeah. We tend to like sort of impugn the goals of the filmmaker if they don't achieve them. Yeah. Um. So maybe it's that. I don't know. For me, I'm saying. I'm thinking here because you know what I'm now reminded of. What's that? Is a movie that I appreciated initially. I think because it achieved certain elements of epicness. Okay. But the more I think about it, I don't think it's a very good movie. Okay. Which is Cold Mountain. All right. Is that an epic? Would you consider it an epic? I certainly would. I think so, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I... I mean, it's very much the Odyssey in itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the time, I liked it sort of just on those merits. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe I'm a more sophisticated film goer. Um, yeah. Uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think as much of Cold Mountain. But I think that was a time in my life when I was watching a lot of, you know, independent movies yeah, and for something to have, um, a, a sort of accomplished sweep, I was like, Oh, good on them. <laughs> but I don't know that it holds up now. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting as time has gone on, your opinion has gone down and mine has gone up of uh, cold mountain. It's not a film that I, that I like, but one thing that I said at the time that I think I didn't give a lot of weight to, and as time has gone on, I'm like, no, this is very important. I, be, I believe it's edited by Walter Murch, right? Oh, is that right? And, um, I'm not hundred percent sure. We still got to do an episode. I on know. Him. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's correct, but I think it is. Um, and one thing that well, I said, we, even at, to find out, even at the time was I didn't like that movie, but I can't think what I would take out of it. Like it's, it's, it just what's there should be done. It, it should be more engaging, but yes, I wouldn't remove anything from it. Walter Murch. Well, that explains some of it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, and I think maybe the, I think one of the <laughs> things that got me, and maybe it's in the writing. What? 
Do you know what was the last movie that uh, Walter Murch edited, the most recent movie that he edited? What's that? Particle Fever. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I just saw that. But he's well, editing uh, that, but... Tomorrowland. That's going to be his next one. I'm excited for that. That's a Me good too. teaser. Oh, I don't watch. I don't watch this sort of thing. It was when I too saw cool a movie. I saw a movie. Do you just? I'm just way too cool for school. <laughs> so basically, when you sit down in the theater, you put the old earbuds in, you put your blindfold on, and you have and you tell someone, "Hey, poke me when the feature starts." Uh, um, <coughs> no, I guess I do watch those trailers. Yeah, that's what. That's all I'm talking about. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. Let me ask you this, uh, because I still because I think you know you neither you nor I would ever doubt that cold mountain is an epic it feels like an epic and it's very effective in that sense but i don't neither of us think you know it's worse than you initially thought it's better than i initially thought but i don't think either of us would say it's a really great movie and it's a really effective epic um and so and i know that some of my complaints have to do with the way it's written um because it's stuff like I remember this this one always got me. This one got me in the moment. Uh, Nicole Kidman is pawning like this watch that is important to her or something like that because she needs to get some money. And um, and the guy and the guy's like, are you sure you want to pawn this? And she's like, yes, I, I just can't imagine anybody wanting to know the time anymore. And like <laughs> and I remember I remember just if I was the type that would yell at the screen, I'd be like, shut the fuck up and just pawn your watch. All right. We don't need a damn proclamation. It's just and I, and I think maybe because it's written like that, it's written like every line has to, uh, inf- you know, has to affirm that this is an epic. Um, I feel like uh, it's like every line has to seem ethereal. See, somehow. OK, yeah, that makes it that makes me think even less. Than I had forgotten about yeah. that. Well, that, maybe, maybe maybe it's trying too hard. That pawn store owner, if I were that guy, I'd be like, okay, that's not what I was asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, can't you just imagine this cigar-chomping guy, like uh, what, Dick Miller, <laughs> just being right. like, I didn't ask for your life story, all right? Right, or uh, I think of uh, John Polito and the Crow. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so maybe that one doesn't, it still registers as an epic, but maybe because it's trying so hard to seem like an epic. Right. In its right in the writing to me because it sounds as, as strange as it sounds when I think of r- the really great epics they are probably written well but I don't think of them as an achievement of writing. I see what you mean. You know what I mean. And so by trying to really hit home how epic and how important Cold Mountain is in almost every line of dialogue except Philip Seymour Hoffman's um, a character that I really like, um, maybe they uh, maybe they overdo it. And it winds up being like, you know, every, uh, so much about Cold Mountain is me saying, I get it <laughs> because it's a movie that wants you to get how important it is. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Well, I thought we were going to end like 10 minutes ago, but then I had to go into the Cold Mountain uh, thing. So now let's just end with that. Okay. Well, I, I think we, you know, because that, because that. Yeah, but I, we had a perfect button by ending with Unbroken, which is where we started. Yeah. And then I couldn't resist bringing up Cold Mountain. Yeah, but you got my, my stupid Southern Bell voice. It's so worth it. <laughs> so worth it. Okay. Um, you can find us at com. That's where all our movie reviews are, including um, our review. Who reviewed the uh, epic Unbroken? Scott? I think Scott reviewed I believe that. Scott, yes. What if I didn't? I forgot. Um, uh, you, you can find all of those at battleshipretention.com you can find links to this podcast and all the other podcasts in the BP fleet 
you can email us at david at battleship com or tyler at battleship com. you can follow me david on twitter at the pretension and you can follow tyler you can and must follow tyler on twitter at tyler pretension my other podcast is called Hey Watch This. It's about TV. This week we're talking about the uh, debut of Disney's ABC's Marvel's Agent Carter. And we are talking about the debut of Fox's Empire, um, which is uh, a new show from Lee Daniels and Danny Strong, who brought you The Butler, which is great. Mm. So, uh, very it, much. Wait, like- it, brought, it brought me that silent film? Uh, no, I said Lee Daniels, the butler. I'm sorry, Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, the butler. There we go. Thank there you. There we go. Um, uh, so that's what we're talking about. What are you guys talking about over on More Than One Lesson? That's your other podcast. Well, we did uh, an episode about Dances with Wolves in which we really delve into some of the stuff that we that uh, I talked about on the most recent movie journal. Uh, coming up is an episode about Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance with the companion film. Boy, you're going to hate this episode. The companion film adaptation. Oh yeah. So yeah. Movies. I don't think that are that great. Maybe you can listen to it and, uh, you know, fucking learn something. I think I liked Birdman or Birdman more than adaptation. I think you probably did too. But, uh, yeah, I didn't. Not eager to rewatch either one of those. You know what I was thinking myself. about? I, I know we need to finish the episode. This is more, well, maybe maybe there's a promise of something for the future. Um, one thing that you said about uh, Birdman that struck me was the idea that you didn't like any of these characters. You didn't sympathize with them. No. Um, and uh, I would, I think I would like to explore that in an episode is how, how important is it that we okay. at least sympathize with uh, the, the characters of a film? I don't know. I feel like that's worth exploring. Yeah. And I also I want to walk that I, I I liked and sympathized with Zach Galifianakis' character, yeah, and with uh, Amy Ryan's character, yeah. Emma Stone, as well. <sighs> not, not for me, not for you. Okay. No, grow up. She's like an angry goth teenager. It's yeah, like, but she also is a former drug addict who's re- in recovery. Yeah, well, you know, maybe that maybe that slowed down her emotional development because she's got to she's got to <laughs> grow step into the adult world. Little what about miss. Naomi Watts? You Did spend... you like uh, Naomi Watts? Uh, sure, I guess. Okay. But she also needs to like get some therapy. She's got she's got some self esteem issues, obviously. Yeah, I, I think that yeah that I, I think well, partially the idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. Um, what else did I say? Is that it? Is that everything? I believe that is everything. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 